Hey there, everybody, and thanks for tuning in to episode 12 of the Cinematic Roundtable Podcast, a weekly series in which we talk current events in the world of film. I am Bobby. And I am Rhino. And, whether and weekly is a loose definition. Oh, uh, I guess it is. Uh, in this case, it's been a minute since we've been back, but we are here, and we have a lot of things to cover and talk about, such as what we've been watching, some Comic-Con predictions, uh, our Spider-Man Homecoming review, mm. the best movies we've seen in 2017 thus far, and some trailers for the move, for the likes of Dunkirk, Jumanji, Death Note, and Andy Serkis's first film, and more. So, mm-hmm. all that, in addition to a few more things, some surprises. Stick around for that. But mm-hmm. as first, always as always, Rhino. Yep. How the hell you been doing? What you been watching? I'm doing pretty good. Okay. Yeah, hanging in there. Yeah. You know the weather has been no weather. One, it was a it was a plate gesture. No one really cares how you're doing. I just want to know what you've been watching and if, if anything's interesting to you. So. All right. Well. This became a lot, uh, a lot more hostile of a podcast than what well, I signed I, up for. Well, I apologize. But all right. Uh, I've been doing pretty well. Uh, unlike Bobby, I have been watching movies, so I got some stuff to talk about. I feel like, what is this week? Probably three in a row. What, you got nothing to talk about? Um, you have no idea. You don't know that. Mm, he's got nothing. You don't he's know He's got that. nada. Uh, so, yeah, I watched Okja on Netflix, the new... Uh, uh, I'm not a butcher. I'm going to butcher the name... Uh, uh, yeah, the Snowpiercer director. Yeah, I don't know how to say his name either. Something? Yeah, close. Korean director who did Snowpiercer. Yes. Good dude. And he did Okja. It is on Netflix now. I highly, highly recommend the movie, especially if you like Snowpiercer. Even if you didn't like Snowpiercer, uh, it's, it says a lot about, like, the meat industry, It's and it's actually, like, an interesting movie, which a lot of those films aren't. So, so it succeeds there, and it definitely gets its message across, and it's not overly preachy but it's definitely hits the right emotional beats it's it's brilliant so so is there a summary that you can give that doesn't like ruin this thing because the trailer it seems it doesn't really give a lot of story it just like yeah that's that's the best summary i can give is exactly what's in the trailer okay yeah there's basically this competition that happens across the world for these super pigs they go out uh they're there for i want to say 10 years i think it's like a decade um and every country gets to raise the pig their own way. And basically at the end, they select one winner. That pig basically becomes how they're going to raise those pigs in the future. And they basically are like a new food source that are going to take over from like regular pigs, regular, you know, beef. Because they're gigantic. So they can feed a lot more. And they don't expel like a lot of waste. But of course, there's an emotional story. And the pig, you know, little girl falls in love with them. Well, you can't name your food. That's just a bad move. Yeah. Yeah, and she names Mokja, which yeah. is just a dope name. It is a cool name. Yep. So, it seems like a weird left turn to take after a movie like Snowpiercer. I don't know what you do after Snowpiercer. I mean, maybe Snowpiercer action. Is so weird. I yeah, feel like you could do so. action. Like, some of the action set pieces in Snowpiercer are some of the best yeah. in, like, recent memory. There's so. some There's some big settings. There's some big sets. Uh, it's, it's impressive the scope they were able to hit with this. It, I mean, it is a Netflix movie, but I haven't seen a Netflix movie like this one yet. Like, visual scope-wise, it's, mm-hmm. it's it's really just gigantic. It seems like they can pull out a big budget when they want to pull out a big budget yeah, to do definitely. what they want to do. So, um, I mean, I've seen some things on Netflix I haven't necessarily liked as much as other things, but uh, there's one movie in particular. It was some bad horror sci-fi movie I saw. But anyways, the, I can't remember the name of it, so forgettable. Don't watch it. Okay. Um, but... Uh, but yeah, but it seems like when they want to come with some budget, they they can definitely do it. It seems yeah. like this uh, 
we'll talk about Death Note a little bit later, but it seems like they're swinging a little bit with some money over there as well. Yeah, and it's certainly one of the best movies of the year. So I'd say definitely watch it, and it's convenient. It's right in your home. Well, that's a tease. So, uh, Bobby, what have you been watching? Oh, is that it? Yeah, you want to prove me wrong? Go ahead. You, you get you me, you're getting on me, and you just watch one movie? Yeah. Okay. Well, you're, week. You, yeah. you've been a lot more current than I have. Well, it's been a while since we got together, so I don't know if you watched other stuff that... Oh, yeah, well, that you wanted to talk about. I don't know. I figured we'd just talk about the week. Yeah. Well, leading up into the old Spider-Man uh, movie, mm-hmm. I wanted to revisit my roots. Oh, okay. So you rewatched movies. Yeah. Okay. Rewatch movies, watch movies. Yeah. You know, whatever. Uh, I thought you'd bring something new to the table. Okay. Well, a movie that's not necessarily new, but something that I watched for the first time mm-hmm. is 28 Weeks Later. Okay. So I had seen 28 Days Later. But I had never seen 28 Weeks Later. And I always heard it was like, oh, well, if you like 28 Days Later, then it's good, but it's not as good. So okay. I was like, well, that doesn't really, I don't know, it didn't excite me enough yeah. to see it. I actually really liked it. I, okay. I, I don't remember how much I liked 28 Days Later, mm-hmm. but like I, I I thought this was a was a good follow-up, and, okay. I, and I enjoyed it very much. So I just know you, you make a lot of promises on this cast about movies you're going to watch, like Cars or Lost City of Z, and yeah. I don't think they've been watched well, yet. We haven't, seen, we haven't seen Cars 3 yet either. That's so. well, I'm waiting for you to watch Cars. All right, well. Sorry, buddy. I didn't know. Oh. I didn't know. Now you know. Can I borrow your car's copies? Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Well, there we are. There we have it. This has been established. We'll talk about how you haven't watched it next week. Okay. But Ch- Challenge is out now. But this, you got to watch them. But the, uh, the rewatching of the Spider-Man trilogy was, was in preparation for okay. a movie that we watched and that we will review soon. We did Spider-Man watch Homecoming. Yeah. And Does it suck? Maybe. Perhaps. Keep listening. Okay. Might be some surprises. But yeah. So I I really love the Spider-Man trilogy. I think you rewatched them pretty recently too, right? Yeah. Cuz like two-thirds of the Spider-Man trilogy. Yeah. You yeah, stopped I, I you stopped two-thirds of the way in though, right? I did. Yes. Okay. It, like like most normal people. Yep. You you watch the first two and you're like, "Hmm, those are satisfying movies." Yeah, the only I ones that up. exist. I watched those ones. Okay. Yep. Well, me I watched that uh Then there's that fan-made movie that yeah. I don't ever watch. Yeah. At best. The what if story of if Spider-Man sucked <laughs> and if Eric could form and were Venom. Yeah. So, hmm. sounds like a movie I'd make. <laughs> it does sound like a movie you'd make. Uh, but yeah, but it's not. So just to kind of get some some idea on some roots and where where this movie's coming from, and just kind of remind myself why I love the Spider Man character and what a Spider Man movie can be. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then we watch Spider Man Homecoming, which that will tie in back later. Yep. Yes, it will. But yeah, you want to get into uh, want to get some news though? Sure. Some news topics. I'm cool. Down. All right, so the first bit of news that we have on the docket today is Christopher Nolan potentially doing a James Bond film. Mm-hmm. He did an interview with Playboy magazine, which uh, it's, a, it's a source. One often does. Yes. Yeah. Um, so then he had this to say about potentially doing a Bond movie. A Bond movie, definitely. I've spoken to the producer, Barbara Broccoli. <laughs> That's what it says. Probably Broccoli. Probably, but it's, it's, a, it's I'm gonna probably it. Broccoli. Uh, so Barbara, probably Broccoli, and Michael G. Wilson over the years. I deeply love the character, and I'm always excited to see what they do with it. Maybe one day that would work out. You'd have to be needed, if you know what I mean. It has to be a reinvention. It has to be you. And they're getting along very well. So. That is a reading yeah. of uh, what he said. Mm-hmm. Yep. But what do you think? What do you what do you make of his comments here? I make absolutely nothing of his comments. Yeah. 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 Nolan likes Bond. He's said that for like ten years, and he still hasn't made a Bond movie. I mean, who does? Who doesn't? Yeah, but him specifically likes Bond. Um, 
like would go out of his way to make a Bond movie, but he's saying that you know it, it would have to be like a Batman. It'd have to be like a revival of the character. It'd have to completely reinvent what they're doing with Bond. And it doesn't sound like they're going to be doing that anytime soon. Because they kind of just did that with Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig's Bond was a, a different Bond than we had seen, and it, it was kind of almost like a revival of the character yeah. in some way. But they kind of ruined that in the last movie where they basically just reinvented the wheel with, like, nine Bond stories that had already happened in the past. Yeah. So so that didn't help. Um, and it sounds like uh, Daniel Craig is coming back, which is dope. Mm-hmm. Good news. Um, After all that bitching about not wanting to do Bond and about getting in shape and staying in shape and all that other stuff, he's, uh, he's back to take a paycheck, so. Dan dropping the B word. Sorry. Whatever. He was... He's, he's a whiny little bitch about it. Dang, all right, there it is. So, Fight him, Daniel Craig. I mean, I'm sure it sucks. I'm sure it sucks to be that in shape for that role, but, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're playing James Bond. You're you're basically British Superman. It's like you're making the same comments I made before, and then you got real on me about it. Well, I'm, you were like, I'm sure oh, it's hard. You've never done that kind of work before, and I'm sure it is hard. What if he gets hurt? <laughs> well, I'm sure it's hard. He's How old is he? He's in his 40s now. And, yeah. You know, he's... But now you're, you just said, and I quote, being a whiny little bitch. Well, I don't know. I think the, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. He's, he's kind of whining. That's so. an explicitly, that's an explicit statement. A whiny little bitch. Well, maybe you should stop whining. You heard it here first. Yeah. Bobby thinks Daniel Craig is a whiny little bitch. Fight me, bro. That should fight him. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it doesn't sound like concrete in, oh, no, in any no, sense no, no, of the term. No, no. So. For sure not. So I don't think it's necessarily going to happen at all, and I definitely don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. So, we will see. I like the fact that Chris Nolan is chasing original properties now. Yeah. Uh, he, he swings big, which is great. Uh, sometimes he doesn't connect as hard as other times, but, you know, that's every director. And his new movie looks amazing. We're very excited about mm-hmm. it. Very stoked for Dunkirk. I've seen pretty much everything that's come out about it. Uh, so, I hope that he continues that trend. I still stand by the fact that he hasn't made a bad movie yet. I, I think that the, I haven't liked all of his movies as much as the other ones. I think uh, I think Interstellar and um, Insomnia are two that uh, yeah I like. I'm know? not crazy about following, but yeah. Uh, I, it, I, I guess that's in there too. I, I'm probably feel the same way. Like I like them. They're they're you know whatever. But the following definitely feels like a, a first film, you know, and you could see an evolution there. But you know when he gets into Memento and starts going through the Dark Knight trilogy and, and all that other stuff, Prestige and Inception, uh-huh. then I think that we kind of get more into the meat and potatoes of what he's about. Um, hopefully Dunkirk's return to that. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he chases big, smart sci-fi, like big, smart sci-fi or big, smart blockbusters in general, which is amazing, and it's needed in this space. And uh, we'll get we'll get around to Matt Reeves a little bit later, but, but he consistently praises Nolan for being the person that kind of revived smart genre pictures that studios really didn't want to make those anymore because... What was making money was Fast and Furious. Yeah. So might as well send Vin Diesel to space to punch some aliens, you know, and barely hire a scriptwriter for it than to put out like really smart, really smart blockbusters. That Wait, is that a movie where Vin Diesel, Vin Diesel goes to space and fights aliens? No, but it will be soon. No. Well, I guess he does Riddick. It's kind of yeah. That's yeah. There you go. That's basically that. Where is that? Like on Mars or something? I don't know. I, don't I know. haven't seen it. A long There's time. like planets that are real planets. I think. Okay. Like Star Wars. Mm, that's science. Well, uh, they are real plants. They're just from a long time ago, like really far away. Uh, so okay, but yeah, no, I, I don't know. Um, I, my in, immediate instinct is to say, well, I don't want Bond doing, or I don't want Nolan doing like franchise stuff because he's one of the few guys doing out there doing original things. But he was putting out movies like Inception and The Prestige when he was doing the Dark Knight trilogy. So I mean, I guess it's 
it's something that you know he could still do anyways i say the same thing about actors and kind of brought up the the idea that a bunch of actors while doing like marvel movies will also do small indie films like in between and take things like that that they want to do and, and it actually might allow for them to do more of those because they're getting paychecks yeah on a basis. but no one doesn't need that no he doesn't he doesn't at all so because um, he's still making money at the box office we'll see how dunkirk does I saw that it's tracking, and whatever that means, it's tracking to do about $40 million on its opening weekend. I bet it does more. Um, I bet it does more. Especially because it's not that long, I bet it does more. And, uh, I mean, I, I but, like, where do you think? I mean, we're not box office analysts by any stretch of the imagination, but... I think 60s. That sounds about right. Yeah, I think 60s. If I was going to put money on it. Do you know where, uh... Do you know how much it's, the budget's on this thing? I mean, it I looks... Not. It looks like it's well over 100 yeah, I have no idea. I mean, it's a war film, you know. Is it, no, 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 it's not a war film. He said it's not a war film. Well, what is it? What did he say it is? Uh, it's like an intense character piece or something. Okay. It said during war. But, anyways. Not a war movie, though. Okay. Well, sorry, I don't want to... I'm just saying, you're not Nolan, you know, I'm just saying. And Nolan's got to get, like, you know, IMAX cameras that have only been used once ever That's in the history everybody of the world. everybody needs to get IMAX cameras. And so those cost money, too, so... That's because they're baller. Also, I'm pretty sure they just give them those for free. Yeah, that's probably true. Well, what was that here? There was that one camera. He had an IMAX camera, and it was during the Dark Knight. It was there was like one of like four in the world, or one of two, and he used both of them on the Dark Knight, and he broke one of them during an action set piece or something like that. So, yeah. only yeah. Nolan can get away with that. Yeah, but yeah, did you find out? Nope. Okay. Well, I'm sure it's over 100 mil. So, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see how it does. I hope. Uh, if I find it, I'll I'll jump. I in. hope it continues. His continued success continues, and that way we can see more. Um, more uh, pieces like this, you know. Sorry. What? Yeah. No, it's just you know, you're, uh... Now I was talking in circles a little bit. Yep. I just want to see him do more things that he wants to do, more properties like Interstellar stuff like that. Even though it wasn't our favorite, you know. Who's I want to see favorite? him. I want to see him. Ever made favorite movie? All right, it's number one. Top ten. <laughs> All right, John Williams. That's a guy. It's a guy who writes some some musical pieces. Mm-hmm. He's a big name, mm-hmm. maybe the biggest name in all of musical scores in the history of movies. Spielberg and him, long history. Yep. And maybe that history's a little rockier now, as he has been replaced on Spielberg's upcoming picture, Ready Player One, by Alan Silvestri. So, uh, this exclusive was put out by Variety, and. Uh, they say, according to Spielberg Amblin Productions, Stephen and John decided that Alan Svestri was the perfect choice for Ready Player One. So it doesn't seem like there's a lot of bad blood between the two. Just that maybe John Williams wasn't the perfect fit. Yeah, maybe. Or it's a diplomatic answer. Yeah, it seems like the right way to go about it. They're both classy dudes. I mean, Spielberg is arguably the top in his craft, and John Williams is easily the top in his craft. I think that it makes sense, and, and their history goes way back. Yeah, I agree. So I know that you're about as excited about Ready Player One as anybody in the world. You read the yep. book, you love the book. Yep. And now Spielberg's making it. Yep, and he's the perfect person to make it. Yeah. Are you at all familiar with the work of Alan Silvestri? I'm familiar with his Back to the Future work, okay. which is amazing. Okay. So, yes. Okay, I did not realize he did Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah, he's a Back to the Future composer. Uh, yeah, he's... He's fantastic. Yeah, my knowledge in music composition for film is very limited as far as like names and who does it. I know, you know, John Williams and Hans Zimmer and Hans Zimmer. Um, now Chunky XL because he's making a big name for himself. Danny Elfman, Michael Giugino. Yeah. So, but 
but yeah, I, I think that, I mean, this happens a lot. You know, I've heard that uh, Hans Zimmer said to um, Hulkenberg, he said, like, if you've never been replaced on a project, then you haven't really been in the business. So, I mean, John Williams is a huge name, so that's a big deal that he's getting replaced. But, but at the end of the day, it's whatever Spielberg's more comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe uh, Williams was moving on to something else. I, I can't remember necessarily what it was when I read it. Uh, when I read the story, but it sounds like he's going on to something. Yeah, he's, I think he's working with Spielberg on another film. So, yeah, I don't think that there's any bad blood. They've known each other for so long, like over 40 years. So, so I think everything's fine. And it's probably just whatever's best for the movie. Some people fit better with certain themes or, you know, scores will fit better with certain directions. So I think this is probably the right move. All right. Like it. I like it. And our last piece of a little, little new segment today. Batman. Seems like every episode we got to talk a little bit about the DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, no movies came Super out this week. Superheroes in general. Yeah, no movies came out this week, but we did get some news. Uh, Matt Reeves, who is directing the upcoming Planet of the Apes film, which is getting bonkers reviews basically from all corners of the web and anywhere that reviews Even the dark web. The, the dark web loves some Matt Reeves. And apparently he, inspired by the Dark Knight trilogy, he wants to do a little trilogy of his own involving Batman. So... What do you make of this? I know you were saying you had some questions maybe that Ben might not stick around for all of them. Yeah, I mean, nobody knows. That's That seems to be the questions up in the air is if Ben Affleck's going to stay after Justice League. Um, Matt Reeves recently did an interview with somebody where he was talking about uh, the Batman. They asked him real quick, and he said, like, yeah, the plan is still that you know Ben's on board and everything. We're shooting. Uh, we're going to be shooting it. But the narrative around it has been Matt's like just getting done. So he hasn't really started yet and he's getting, I mean, as much as Ben was getting kind of bum rushed with, with questions about Batman, Reeves is getting that treatment now, which rightfully so, if you take on Batman, you gotta be ready for something like that. But it's taxing, I'm sure, especially when you have a giant movie that's coming out now. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, the, the comments that he made are great comments. He basically said that, you know, he was inspired by what Nolan did with the Dark Knight trilogy. He thinks it's cool to have an arc for a character that lasts more than one film. But he said the thing with Apes was that he never really planned out what was going to happen with Caesar before he jumped into the second movie. So he didn't know what the third movie was going to entail. He said, you know, you focus on one story now and maybe have an idea of an arc that can follow in the future. And he said, but the thing about Batman is we will focus on a vital first story. That's what he said in his comments. So I think that's the right way to approach it. I think that everybody nowadays is thinking trilogy as an opportunity. And I think that that's all that he's giving it right now is just an opportunity, which is smart. It's the right way to, to approach it. Uh, so it sounds like he's going to make a kick-ass first Batman movie and then see what happens from there. And then, yeah, we'll see what happens with Ben. I don't necessarily think they're going to sign Matt to a three-picture deal if they don't have Ben already in place. So I think that either we're going to hear about a new Batman being cast right after Justice League comes out, or I think that Ben's probably going to be around for the long haul. Well, do you think that potentially after this whole Patty Jenkins thing, and, and it seems like that's working itself out as far as like her coming back for a sequel, do you think that's something that they're like, well, you know, maybe for these types of pictures, maybe we sign Matt Reeves on to a longer deal or something like that? Uh, yeah. I know I, that they I have a history that... of signing for one-picture deals and then kind of going from there. Yeah, I just think that this, like, Batman... The idea of Batman and the idea of a trilogy for Batman rides on the person playing Batman, especially when that name is Ben Affleck. If you're going to start a trilogy of films, you don't want your Batman to be Ben Affleck, and then you change him for the second and third movie. To George Clooney, of course. Or anybody else, right. 
because changing Rachel from Katie Holmes was not that big of a deal. People were just like, oh, she's different. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. But you get over it, having a completely different Batman just completely kills the immersion for those universes. So I think you got to figure that out first. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You need to have a, a lead yeah. in place. That's the, the focal point of this. And, and it seems weird to think of a DCU right now without without Ben Affleck as Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It, it's... It's I a, hope it doesn't happen. I, I me too. It, but it seems like really weird. There's a lot of things, a lot of questions in the air, and the questions that I hope that we get answered at Comic Con. But we can talk about. That. And on to our next segment of the show, Good or Garbage, where we go from the week before, go through all the trailers, and based on those trailers and what we know about the films, we determine whether or not they're going to be good or garbage. Mm-hmm. And this may, week uh, we might be going a little further back. Yeah. Uh, we missed a we missed a couple shows, but uh, we're back, so we're talking about all the trailers. Yes. All the trailers today. So first talk about Christopher Nolan. We're going to talk about him again. Mm-hmm. His movie, Dunkirk, it comes out in about two weeks. A little less now. Yep. We're, we're almost there. Yep. New trailer came out. We'll be in LA. Yeah. Doing it up big. I'm going to say right now, the trailer wasn't as crazy. I still think the first trailer is the best trailer. The first trailer for this film is the best trailer. It was a lot more, I think, ambianced than, than in the other two. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know. I, it was my favorite trailer. Um, I'm still excited for this movie. I think it's going to be good. I just, you know, whatever. The trailers haven't been selling me. But based on the name and, and what this movie's about, I, I think I think he's going to crush it. I think it's going to be really good. But the first trailer is still my favorite. Okay. Uh, I really love this trailer. Uh, I believe it's called Surrender, this newest trailer. Uh, yeah, the second one I wasn't as crazy about. I do like the first one a lot. Yes, I um, think it's a return to form. I think the second one's easily the weakest trailer. Yeah, yeah, but, but I love the Surrender trailer. I think it's really intense. It's really quiet, too. There's, like, barely any volume at all. It's just kind of gunshots and kind of just scenes of what's happening or whatever and seeing everybody reacting to what's going on around them, which I feel like is going to be a lot of this movie because I've heard it's not a lot of dialogue. Uh, so I really, I actually really like this trailer. But, yeah, I think the movie's going to be good. All right, cool. We're in agreement so far. Mm-hmm. Moving on to the next film, which it seems like, at least I'm not in agreement with the internet on this, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, yep. a spiritual successor of sorts to the original Jumanji, which featured Robin Williams, uh, Kristen Dunst, among others, fan favorite movie, and this trailer came out, well, kind of lukewarm on it, if maybe even not really digging it, not thinking people, a lot of people not thinking it's that funny, Yeah, I disagree. Mm-hmm. I think it's really hilarious. I think it's an interesting take. I don't know whether or not this movie is going to be any good. I mean, I don't know if any of these movies can be any good, but this one specifically, I feel like it could it could really be bad. But based on the trailer and what I've seen so far, the cast that's in place, I'm I'm buying it. I'm yeah. buying in. I uh, I also thought it was really funny. Um, and I think that it's easy kind of to compare this right now to Baywatch, which was a recent rock movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's an unfair comparison because I think that we were able to kind of smell the stink off Baywatch, like basically from the first trailer. We were like, oh yeah, I mean, there's some funny parts, but I don't really know. This trailer had me in stitch the whole time. I was crying, laughing at parts. Agreed. I think it's really funny. I also like the concept. I like that they're going away from the board game formula. It is a little weird because the like plot of the first game is. Or the first movie is so much that like it's like this ancient kind of buried force, and that kind of feels weird for like a game that came out of like I believe it's like the ninety, the eighties or the nineties for for this movie. Um, also, interesting fact: uh, the director Jay Kasdan is actually Lawrence Kasdan's son. So oh, this okay. is his director directorial effort. Uh, I figured there really wasn't cool. a crazy amount of Kasdans out there in Hollywood, but yep, but yeah, it does his, make sense. It is his son, um, so I'm I'm actually pretty excited about it. Yeah, I think it will maybe be good. I would vote good, but it's like a 60-40 right now. Yeah, and and his directorial work, you know, kind of hit or miss for me. 
Yeah, uh, I like Bad Teacher. I think Bad Teacher is and Walk Hard, Dewey Cox story. I think oh, yeah. is is think those really great funny. movies. Um, Sex Tape. Eh, yeah, not not feeling that one. And, and but he's done good TV work, which is cool. Yeah, he's done work with Freaks and Freaks and Geeks. Uh, New, New Girl, Girl, Fresh Off the Boat. So great shows. Yeah. All right. Um, movie real close to home. Yeah. And and I feel like I can't be super objective about this. Death Note. Netflix's Death Note. Adam Wingard directing it. I like I said I can't be objective about it, but I still think it's gonna be good. I I think the trailer is really good. Uh, I love Adam Wingard. I love Lucy Stanfield. Uh, Margaret Qualley seems like a cool fit for that for the Mies character. Uh, I don't hate Nat Wolf like you do, but God, it still seems like a weird casting decision to me. I think it's good. Yep. I think it's good. Uh, August twenty fifth comes out on Netflix based on the anime. Death Note, same name, really good anime, check it out. It's also on Netflix right now if you haven't seen it. Right now I know you recently checked it out because based on my berating for years of telling you to watch it and telling yep. you to watch it and then you watched it. I did. You liked it. And I did. Except I for the it. end. Yep, except for the end. Um, this movie, uh, I'm going to ruffle a couple feathers here. I think that this trailer is great. I love this new trailer. I think it's awesome. I don't think the movie's going to be good. Um, I'm starting to think that he's juggling too many balls with this one movie. It seems like he's putting a lot into this one film. And I think that it's too much. I think that he's focusing too much on like in the entire span of the anime and putting it into this one movie. I think that's the wrong move. I think that they should have set this up as a series of films from the beginning. Uh, and I don't think that they did. And I think that that's going to shine through. And I think that it's going to get some real complicated plotting and real complicated kind of uh, pacing throughout this movie, especially if they're trying to keep up with what the anime did. Um, and I, I think that it's going to be another kind of mist. I think it's going to be similar to Ghost in the Shell. Where there's some interesting stuff, visually it's very cool, but I think that it's going to miss some of the executions on some of the plot. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Rupert Sanders, he's the one who did uh, Ghost in the Shell, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a much bigger Adam Wingard fan than I am a Rupert Sanders fan. Um, and I think that they're taking enough detours from the source material that, and, and I don't know what their plan is as far as future movies, but I don't think they're going to try to stay too close to what it is. The first trailer, which was well, the teaser, it didn't really give us anything new. It seemed like a lot of this was kind of different. We, we could, you know, infer some things. But this this most recent trailer seems like a, a decent departure from what the source material is. And I think that if he t- concentrates on telling his own story rather than following what the, the manga or the anime does, then then I think he can easily tell a story in one film if that's what they want to do. But Netflix is big on doing follow-ups to things, even things in their television shows that don't necessarily, you wouldn't think, need follow-ups. So I would be surprised if this was just a one-off. Netflix seems like they're they're good at going back to things. Although I'm not super sure about their films. Yeah, that's the thing. Is there's a difference there between the the shows and the movies? Yeah, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, all right, our first split. Mm-hmm. Breathe, 2017, based on the real life story of Robin, a handsome, brilliant, and adventurous man who t- whose life takes it in a, a dramatic turn after he is. He has polio, and uh, it seems like a real emotional movie. I told you right after I said this, uh, another interesting thing about it is it's Adam Serkis' directorial Andy. debut. Not Adam Serkis. That's his brother. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's doing had, other stuff. I had him Adam, Adam Wingard. He's an amateur mind. wrestler down yeah. in Iowa, so we're not going to bring him up. Yeah. I, I said Adam. it as soon as I, as I watched this movie. I think, you know, it seems that um, Andrew Garfield could get another nomination for mm-hmm. Best Actor. Um, he had one movie last year in... Um, which he did receive the nomination. Did he end up winning for that? I don't remember Hacksaw Ridge. I don't think so. And um, but I thought he easily 
could have been nominated for Silence, a mm-hmm. movie that we both liked a little bit more. I agree. And and Rolls liked even more. So it seems like why not? You know, he can yeah. easily be nominated and Claire for this. Foy. She looks great. And it, it's also reminiscent to Theory of Everything, yeah, which is another definitely. story about someone who was sick. It was a real life story. And I remember that one did get a nomination and a win. Yep. So uh, it seems like that just seems really sad. And it's, it's hard. Like I'm, it's, I'm sure it's going to be really good. I think it's going to be good. Say that now. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be really sad. Yeah. It does look really sad. Um, it feel, it, at first, when I was watching the trailer, it felt like a movie I'd seen like a million times before. And I don't know what it is about it. I mean, it's filmed beautifully. And, and I'm interested in Circus and his direction and kind of where he's going in the future with, with directing. Um, but something about this trailer got me to where I was just like, all right, I'm actually like, I'm excited to see this, even though it does feel similar to Theory of Everything and a lot of other, you know, period kind of romance films. Um, but, but I'm actually, I'm pretty excited about this movie. I think it looks really good. I think it's going to be good. Well, there's two things here that like really interest me. Mm-hmm. Um, one is Andrew Garfield. Yeah. At this point, I'm pretty much going to be one of the first in line to see whatever he does because he's just been really killing it every time at bat, even in things like, like 99 Homes, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and because Adam's brother, Andy Serkis, is going to be doing his directorial debut, mm-hmm. that's super exciting. Yeah. So I think that's really cool. I mean, will he outstage his WWE wrestling cousin or brother? I don't think so. Oh, and his cousin. So yeah. His cousin Drew, Drew Circus. I guess doing big things too. But yeah, it's definitely a trailer to, to check out. Um, I, Andrew Garfield, man, I can't get the house for that guy. He's doing okay. some big things. Doing some big things. Is it probably because he was Spider Man? Yeah, that, no, it's definitely because he was Spider Man. Okay. And what about now, Toby? Now he's doing good things. And he was in my, life, my favorite movie last year. Oh, I love Toby. What about Tom Holland? I love Tom. Trying love to get with all those dudes? <laughs> Trying to have a four way with so all lucky. the Spideys? I'd be so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The Greatest Showman. Mm-hmm. Another real-life story coming to the big screen inspired by the imagination of P.T. Barnum, The Great Showman. It stars our boy, everyone's boy. Mm, huge jacked man. Huge jacked man. Yep. And also uh, get some names like Zac Efron, Zendaya in there. Mm-hmm. Seems interesting. The trailer is oddly constructed in a way where it's mostly musical and not like a lot of dialogue, Yeah. which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. I think this needs a little bit more dialogue because I thought the dialogue stuff, like at the end of the trailer, when you said, oh, this is like the best part of the trailer, when he's talking to Zac Efron's character. Well, it is because he's so charming. And he invents, exactly, and you need to show that off. And I feel like they didn't. I feel like they showed off that song really well that was in the trailer. I don't know the name of the song off the top of my head. Uh, that's because you don't because it was it's in this movie. Oh. It's for this movie. Oh. They actually, when they brought this movie to, oh, man, it was some kind of film showcase. I don't remember which one it was. Um but they brought this movie out and they said, you know, we wrote a lot of songs for this movie. They compared a lot of the songs kind of to La La Land. And they said to the people in attendance, it was a bunch of trades. They were like, listen, we have this song in this movie or whatever. And like, it's going to be like the number one song on the radio. Like, it's going to get stuck in your head. And apparently everybody in the audience was like, okay, whatever guy. Like, everybody says that. And then they played it and they were like, holy shit. Like, yeah. they were singing it the whole time. So, you know, yeah, that, that song is specifically for this movie. I think that every song is going to be an original song for this movie. It's half musical. So... So that's another thing. That's probably why it's very music-driven, this first trailer. Um, but, yeah, I think it's very cool. I like it. It's very, like, an inspirational trailer. Like, you watch it, and you're like, yeah, I can do anything. Uh, even though I can't. I cannot do everything. And I definitely can't do show business. But but Hugh Jackman can. He was born to play this role. Yeah. Even more than he was born to play Wolverine, he should be P.T. Barnum. Because he is just so charismatic and so theatrical, and I'm really excited to see him in this film. Yeah, you weren't a huge fan of Les Mis, right? When yeah, it came I think out. it was okay. I mean, 
but you also think that he did a fantastic job oh, in course. his role. I yeah. mean, most of those, mostly everyone in that movie did a really good job. Mm, who are you talking about? Uh, I, can't, I can't remember the whole cast. How dare you say Russell Crowe? Oh, yeah, Russell Crowe. How dare you say Russell Crowe? Russell Crowe did not do nearly as bad a job as, like, the yeah, people like he did. It's like the Gosling can't dance. Like, yeah. I get it. Or but. Gosling can't sing or whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever. He's He did he did a very good job, he I think. He sings with his eyes. <laughs> but, so, but, yeah. Also interesting to note that Michael Gracie is going to be doing the live-action Naruto movie. I still don't believe that's actually a thing that's going to happen, but, you know, we'll see. We'll see how Death Note does. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see yeah. if it's good or garbage. And so, that, that'll dictate. Do you really think that that has like a big like pull on on what happens? I don't know. I, Netflix still feels like its own thing to me, and I think that really maybe, no way of tracking like how they do. No, but there's tracking fan response. Yeah, that's a huge thing. And critical response. That, yeah. like they will it will get reviewed. Bingo. And I think that you know anime film and like bringing that over to live action kind of mainstream blockbusters here. I think that that's a huge thing with this new Death Note movie, and I think that it could be handled in a similar way to Naruto. Kind of less bombastic than it goes in the shell. Kind of take the story down a couple pegs, which is something I commend about the new Death Note. I think that that's smart that they're kind of, you know, bringing it a little bit down, a little bit more down to earth than even the anime was. Um, but yeah, I think Greatest Showman's gonna be great. I think it's gonna be an Oscar-nominated film for cinematography and for picture. And I love movies that come on on Christmas Day because I like going to the movie theater on Christmas. I mean, we'd be seeing Star Wars eight times, but eventually, I will see. Yeah. Showman. Well, Star Wars comes out the week before, so I think I'll have. Does it? Is ample it the time. 18th? Yeah, so okay. I'll, have, I'll have ample time to see that. You know, before gotcha. I can get into things like Greatest Showman. I know there's other movies too that come out on Christmas, but I can't think of the top of my head. But we got plenty of time to get to that. I'll figure it out. Keep going. But speaking of Christmas, there are movies that are now starting to be marketed for the Christmas season, such as a follow-up to a comedy movie that not a lot of people were super into, but hey, why not make a sequel? It did well enough. Mm-hmm. Bad Mom's Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, the first movie, I think, do you see it? I did not. Okay, well, nope. count yourself lucky. It wasn't that great. I. That's not nice. I, I was kind of looking forward to it. I like Mila Kunis. Um, Kristen Bell's hit or miss with me with comedy. Um I like her. I love her in things like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, um, but it's not necessarily because she's all that funny. I think she's a pretty face and someone to look at, and, and I like the actress. I like her as a person, but I don't know. Her in comedy, just it doesn't always sit with me right. Um, the first movie wasn't great, but the trailers... Her show is hilarious. Just pointing that out. Okay, your show yeah. on NBC yep. that you watch? Is, was it ABC or NBC? NBC. NBC, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, her and Ted Danson. Yeah. Good place. Is she very funny? funny. Is she yeah, funny she's in it? very funny, yeah. All right, well, there you go. I mean, she plays kind of the same character a lot. She's just kind of the straight girl. Mm-hmm. Like, but she's also kind of like the bad girl in the show, which is new for her. Okay, that is new, yes. And it's and she's very good at it. It's really funny. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe she can pull something out in Bad Moms too. But I, I actually like the trailers for the first Bad Moms, and mm-hmm. I did not like the movie. I hated this trailer. So maybe you'll like the movie. Possibly. But I'm going to say, uh, based on everything I know, uh, I will not like this movie yeah. so far. I, yeah. I'm saying garbage. Yeah, it looks real garbage. So, uh, moving on. Uh, not a trailer, but Didn't something. spend a lot of time on that one. I like it. Yeah, yeah I don't want to be negative. Mm. I'm not feeling it right now. Okay. I'm having a good weekend. I'm feeling good. Okay. So, a movie, or a movie that I wasn't sold on originally, and, yes? PTA's Daniel Day-Lewis movie comes out on Christmas. Yes, yeah, the one I was thinking of. Yep. Uh, A.K.A. Daniel Day-Lewis's possibly his last movie, Phantom as he says. Um, so, Valerian, City of a Thousand Planets, another one based off of a graphic novel, yep. a French graphic novel. Luc Besson's doing this. Movie you were not excited about. I was not excited about. They showed the first five minutes in front of Spider-Man Homecoming, which you can see if you see it in IMAX and Dolby Digital, right? Yep. So I recommend doing that because 
the first five minutes is incredible. Yep. I love the first five minutes of this movie. I think it's great. If the rest of the movie is like that, it's a, it's an easy win. Uh, like I said, not a trailer, but we still have to see the first five minutes. So I wanted to talk about it. Yep. Say that it's awesome. Yeah. And marketing is hard. Let's let's just put that out there. And Especially I think, for sci-fi that you don't know. That's not Star Wars or yeah, Star Trek. Yeah. And I think the difference to, to, between where me and you kind of sat on most of the trailers is I feel like I saw this potential w- was like shown in the first five minutes. Like if it's all playing through, like, in those trailers, and mm-hmm. I think that you didn't. And yeah. I think that that's kind of where we were divided there on what it was. And also, yeah. I I love the hell out of Lupusan. I'm such a huge fan. And I've been excited for this movie for a long time. But I do, too. yeah, the first just, five minutes was spectacular. I, I do, too. It just feels like it's been a long time since we've seen him do things that, like, when you say, th- when you say the name Lupusan, Leon the Professional, uh, Fifth Element, Great films. Both of those came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. So, wait, did the... Uh, at Fifth Element? Yeah. Yeah, 97. Both came out in the 90s. So, it's been about... It's been 20 years since Fifth Element. It's been 23 years since Leon the Professional. So, I don't know, not that you necessarily lose it, but it's been a while since he's put out something that we've really, you know, been into. Yeah. Um, Lucy is okay, whatever. Yeah, I don't really like Lucy. So, um, so yeah. But, yes, good. Good, mm-hmm. good. If not, maybe great... I hear that maybe it falls off a little bit towards the end, but... I've heard it gets predictable in the back half. Yeah. But it starts off so ridiculously new that it kind of saves it. Okay. So, All right. So we will see. Interesting. All right. And that just about brings us to one of our main topics today, which we alluded to earlier, Comic-Con. Mm. San Diego Comic-Con 2017 is right around the corner, and we wanted to take this opportunity to kind of dissect it a little bit and talk about some predictions and get to who we think is going to win Comic-Con. Mm. So, which might be an easy answer, or maybe maybe we got some speculation on, so. Okay. So okay. we'll see. So, one of the heavy hitters, Warner Brothers. Yep. And they're coming in big with some franchise films, such as their DC Slate. Uh, uh-huh. Justice League comes out in November. Yeah, yeah, we can see some smiles already. And they're going to be, the whole panel, uh, the whole cast can be there, or the main cast, uh, along with, uh, is wait is the director going to be there? I mean, not Snyder, but is Whedon? Is Whedon no going to be there? Okay, no idea. If I were going to put money on it, I'd say it's all Jeff Johns. I think it's a Jeff Johns show. Okay, and Juan will come out for Aquaman. All right, but, but uh, they recently put out a thing for Justice League and talking about them coming to Comic Con, and on it there is absolutely no credit to Whedon. So it says directed by Zack Snyder. This is the cast. It's it's the same thing that's always been up there. So. It's been confirmed now. Whedon's not taking credit for this. Okay. So, so but do we know big. if... I mean, I'm assuming Snyder will not be there. I, I don't know. But maybe... I, you know, he's he's surprised a lot of people before. He's he's big on surprises. You know, he loves fans and, and everything they're about. But he's dealing with something super, super serious right mm-hmm. now. So, I don't know. I, I think it's probably a 20% chance he shows up. But would the room lose their mind if he showed up? I'd lose my mind. Yeah. Oh, I'm not even going to be there. Yeah. We'll be close. We will be we'll close. We'll be a couple hours away. The old La. Yeah. The old La La Land. Yeah. So, what are, what, are, what are you most excited about? Let's just get into that. Or just give me like a handful of things that you're really excited about to see from Comic-Con this year. Like everyone? Just across the board? Yeah, just across the board. I'm kind of excited about everything. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know if there's anything I'm necessarily not excited about. Um... I don't know if I'm crazy about the X-Men spinoffs that don't involve Deadpool. No, I, I don't care. I do not care. I <laughs> okay. do not care. All right, yeah. Heat. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Like, Apocalypse Tell just em. really turned me off. And, yeah. and the singer's not coming back, or if he is coming back, I don't know. I just I don't care. I okay. do not do not what care. What if Christopher Nolan comes in? 
Then I care. Okay. Then I care. And like Leo is the Dark Phoenix. <laughs> That's the best movie we ever made. <laughs> I'll watch it every day. I care now. I okay, care. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, of course I'm excited about Justice League. Uh, I'm excited to get a new trailer. I'm excited to see some footage from Aquaman. Because I just think that's going to be a bonkers movie. I feel like nobody has any, like, idea what the, what's actually going to be shown from that movie. Um, Blade Runner. God, I, I mean, I never thought a Blade Runner movie would get made, a sequel. Uh, but it is, and it's being made, looks incredibly well. Much less, they're doing their whole San Diego Comic-Con, like, Blade Runner 2049 themed. Yeah, so. so they're putting up, you know, props that people can actually play around with and mess with vehicles from the set uh they're doing their own vr experience which is super cool um i'm very excited about ready player one i mean we, we kind of talked about it earlier in the uh in the old cast but yeah i read the book i'm a huge fan of the book it's it's one of those books that you read and you're like man the perfect person in the world to do this is spielberg it's kind of like man who's the fir- perfect person to do star wars steven yeah. spielberg I mean, he's the perfect person to do a lot of movies. Yeah, but especially these big, fun science fiction films. Spielberg is the first person you think. Yeah. And the fact that he's so excited about this project is awesome. We're finally going to be able to see footage from it. I think it's going to be one of those things where that footage drops and people read the book like crazy. Because I think that they should. It's a great book. Um, the first two pages are really good. Mm-hmm. Thanks, no, for, thanks for letting me borrow it two years ago. Oh, you're welcome. Um, and I'm also really excited about Black Panther. I think Black Panther is going to be awesome. Uh, Thor Ragnarok. In what what capacity is Marvel showing up? Because I know that D23 is the week before? I think D23 is going to be the last Jedi show. I think that they'll probably do a little bit of Marvel stuff. Throw some, throw some goodies in there. I, I want to talk about D23 a little bit in this conversation, too, because it's like... Uh, and I don't want to draw outside comparisons, but it's essentially they're kind of making it their own trade thing, and it seems like D23 is getting bigger and bigger every year, and they're positioning it right around... Uh, Comic-Con to kind of get that buzz. Actually, I'm going to make the outside comparison. So EA is a main developer for video games, and they pulled out of E3, which is a major trade show for video games, and they do it the day before across the street because uh-huh. it's you do it at the right time, right? So everybody gets eyes on you. Everybody's eyes on the industry at the same exact time, and you might be doing your own thing, but it kind of gets a boost from the rising tide, basically. right? Yeah. So I think D23 is doing the same thing. I think they're basically pulling an EA, and they're coming out, and I mean... They're bigger, like, I don't know, whatever. But they're basically doing that in the rising tide. It lifts them up as well because everybody's eye is on kind of nerd culture-y type of stuff, especially in the film industry around this time. Yeah. So it makes sense getting even closer to Comic-Con. So I, I wanted to talk about that as well. But, yeah, I, I think that it's going to be Last Jedi there. I, fig- I think that, like, why bring Marvel to Comic-Con? You ain't going to show up. So they're showing up big, I think. I think if they show up, they're going to try to win. Especially when you have Warner Brothers there who shows up big. Recent In recent years, they show up big every year yep. for Comic-Con. Yeah. And they pull out the big guns. Yeah, and they put out some of the best trailers ever. And even in, in recent, recent years, fired some shots at Marvel as well, some of the directors. Well, it's gone both ways. Yeah. It's gone both ways. Um, but, <laughs> who shot first, though? But Marvel shot first a long time ago. Yeah, that's true. But, but yeah, I think that Marvel's going to come... Hot and heavy. I think they're going to bring back Black Panther. I think they're going to bring Thor Ragnarok. They got two movies coming out. And I think they're going to bring a teaser for Infinity War. And that's going to be huge. Oh, I think so, too. It's going to be massive. And I think that riding the success of Spider-Man, we're likely to see Spider-Man in that tease. Uh, Even though we've heard that he's only going to have the same amount of presence as he did in Civil War and Infinity War. But he was in 30 minutes of that movie. So, like, you say he wasn't in that much, but he was in a lot more than I think people were anticipating he was going to be in. Yeah. 
Um, and then Kingsman, really excited about Kingsman. Like I said, pretty much everything that's being shown this year, I'm really excited for. Except for those X-Men movies? Right, except for those. Ah, uh, oh man, Deadpool. I'm so excited about Deadpool. No, yeah, yeah. Yep. But yeah, only the, the sideline ones. Mm-hmm. Eh. Which are actually kind of not the sideline ones, but they have become the sideline ones because Deadpool is the main attraction for Fox right now as far as their superhero movies are concerned. Yeah, and he should be. Yeah, because it was great. Because uh, Wolverine ain't around anymore. The teaser that they put in front of Logan for uh, Deadpool was just fantastic, <sighs> and it was Incredible. a big surprise. And yep. screw you, Internet, for ruining that surprise for some people. Yeah. Glad that we saw it when we did. Yeah, me too. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I'm excited for most things. And I think that X-Men can bring me on board if I see some cool stuff. Yeah. I, I'm not against it. I'm not against any movie coming out for the, for the most part. I you know, I want them all to be good. And I think that X-Men can. I'm just very soured on the franchise right now. Yeah. Um, Deadpool excluded from that conversation, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of... I think I'm kind of not a converted Marvel fan because I've never not necessarily been a Marvel fan. But I think... More recently, they seem to be doing things and making moves that appeal to me even more than they used to. Before, I was kind of whatever. To about Avengers 1, the only movie I'd really like loved in their their collection was the original Iron Man. Right. And since then, they've released a lot of movies, but only a handful that I've really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. I would say most of them, I would put in the, eh, they're okay category. But with Spider-Man Homecoming, which we'll get to a little bit later, and... And just the aesthetic and kind of the humor and the trailers that we've been seeing for stuff like Black Panther, which I was not referring to the humor with that. I was more saying about Thor. Yeah. I They're coming out with really cool stuff, cool-looking things, things that I'm actually very excited about. So I agree. I'm more excited about Marvel than I have been in a long time. Me too. So while some yeah. people might be getting the fatigue or whatever, I'm actually kind of just hopping on board on the bandwagon, maybe for the first time. Yeah. I agree. I think the future of Marvel looks brighter than it ever ever has. So I'm really excited. Yeah. I'm more excited for those standalone movies than I am Infinity War. So yeah, Infinity War seems like a fun movie, but yeah, I mean, and also it's hard, like I said, because I can't really get excited about anything until I see something, until I visually put it in front of my face and yeah. is in the form of a trailer or a teaser. But yeah, I agree. I'm more excited about the, oh god, Black Panther. That trailer. It's great trailer. It's one of my favorite trailers of the year right now, if not my favorite trailer of the year right now. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Um, it's a great trailer, and Thor Ragnarok, I never thought I'd be this excited for a Thor movie in my life. Yep. Um, so, There's only one big bummer at Comic-Con, and that's that I've heard that uh, Henry's real busy shooting Mission Impossible, so he's not going to be there. <sighs> Although, leave it to Henry to jump in in his Superman costume and surprise yeah. everybody. I can totally see it. So we're getting a trailer, right? Oh, we're 100% we're getting sure we're getting a Justice League trailer. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cause it, so has it been confirmed by them, or is it like when we went to Star Wars Celebration, yeah. and people were like, oh, whenever we're going to get a trailer, like, dude, we're getting a trailer. Yeah. Like, there's that. a trailer. Like, yeah. It was the worst kept secret in the world. Even They even joked about it in the at the press conference. They're yeah. like, you know, or whatever they call it, the, the panel. They even joked, like, oh, I wonder if we're going to show something. Yeah. Like, yeah, everybody knows. Yeah, we're so. definitely getting a Justice League trailer. Any other big trailers that you're expecting to get? Aquaman. I, I think, yes. Uh, as far as predictions go, I think we're going to get a full-on trailer for Justice League. It's it's prime time. They showed that um, some footage last year, and then they dropped the I think Justice we're League seeing trailer. Steppenwolf in this trailer. I think we're seeing the villain oh, in this yeah. trailer. Yeah, I think this is going to be the big trailer that we ride, and maybe we get like another one month beforehand. Yep. They're doing their marketing really smart. Like They've been making some changes. 
I felt like because how Batman v Superman went down and they did a lot of promotion for that movie, I feel like they've really kind of stepped it back a little bit yeah. for Justice League and kind of are playing close to the vest and not revealing too much. Yep. Because they got some flack for that. Something I wish Spider-Man Homecoming would have done, but you know, whatever. Mm. Um, and so I think we're going to get a trailer for that and I think we're going to get something like what we got, maybe even full trailer or like a teaser, you know, but like a whatever two-minute teaser that's basically a trailer for, for, for Aquaman. For Aquaman. Yep. So I think they're going to do kind of what they did last year. They're going to have a Justice League trailer and a Wonder Woman trailer. What they did last year and this year, it's going to be same thing, but Aquaman. with Justice League and Aquaman. Yeah. So well, I guess it wasn't an, a Justice League trailer per se, but it's basically a trailer. Yeah. So. And I think we get a tease for Infinity War. I don't know if that even goes online, but I think we get a tease for Infinity War, and okay. then I think two full trailers for the other two films. Okay. You so you think we get another Black trailer, Black Panther trailer already? Yes. Because that first one aired during the NBA playoffs. That's not that long ago. Thor, definitely prime time for a Thor trailer. Yep. That movie comes out, uh, no, November. That movie yep, comes out in November. November. Um, so, yeah, it seems about the right time to get a trailer for that. I don't know. I don't know if we get a Black I think they got to hype it. I think that you got to put out something. A teaser, a picture, something. Something oh, has I'm to sure happen they put Black out, Panthers. I'm and sure I can they put only assume that there's going to be footage. Footage is the big thing to put out. They've yeah. already put out a poster that wasn't good, so I don't think a poster is going to do anything. I don't know what's up with crappy movie posters lately, but people are—they're not doing yeah, their jobs. Yeah, I don't know. So, some real, real poor photoshopping skills. Mm-hmm. And um, what else? Oh, Netflix is coming with with a couple of movies. Um, Death Note's one of them. What was what was the other movie again? Bright. Bright. David Ayer's film. Yeah. David Ayer's. So film. I think we're we're one hundred percent getting a full trailer for Bright. Uh, Death Note, I have no idea. Yeah, we just got a trailer. Yeah, I don't know. Wait, so, you, maybe just a panel? Not yeah, sure. just a panel. I could see them showing a scene. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Like, one of those things, like you were saying, maybe they, the panel gets it. And right, and it's were, not were put online. Mm-hmm. Not put online. I could totally see that, but, like, a clip. Because they did that with, um, last year they did that with The Flash, right? They showed a clip. Or was that at the set visits? I can't remember. But I remember they showed a, a footage between Batman and Oh, the yeah, Flash. yeah, yeah. That was at the set visit, I believe. Okay. And the, we still have yet to see that. We'll probably end up, at this point, I would just assume we won't. Yeah. Because it's been so long. So maybe something like that. Maybe a scene between Light and Al. I could see something like that. And then, yeah, I think a full trailer for Bright as well. Okay. Um, What else are we leaving out? Kingsman. I think we're getting another full trailer for Kingsman. Oh, God, yes, I hope so. Yep. That trailer's great. Yeah, I agree. And uh, I think I said this. Th- that trailer's been in front of every movie I've seen since that trailer came out. Like, it just, I don't know if it's a deal with AMC or what, but, like, I have not been. I don't think I can remember a movie that I went to in the theater and didn't see the Kingsman trailer in front yeah. of. Yeah, it's a great trailer though. Uh, also, this doesn't really have a presence at Comic Con, but I think we're getting a Jurassic World two trailer during Comic Con. I think that Universal is going to drop that trailer because they just got done filming. Well, um, like I said before, it's the right time to drop trailers because yeah. everybody's watching trailers, right? Yep. So, so that's a huge one. Um, definitely going to get a Star Wars thing the week before at D twenty three. Yeah. So do you think think another trailer? I think so. It seems like Star Wars kind of marches to the beat of its own drum, as lame as that is to say. I could have said it in a better way, but whatever. They do their own thing, right? Star Wars doesn't rely on whatever to drop their trailers. They'll drop it on, you know, um, Sunday morning, you know, Get Up America or whatever, just because they can or they want to. Or, you know, or the stars will go on Jimmy Kimmel and and they'll release a trailer. You know, they don't necessarily wait for big events like this. So I could see them not... No, I think I think there's a hundred percent getting a trailer. It seems like the trailer came was recent, but I guess it was April. Yeah, it was April when the we're definitely getting a full trailer. Also, 
not everybody loved that trailer as much as you and I did. Well, they're stupid. Well, still, they need to Sorry. they need to make the conversation 100% positive. They need to put out another stupid. trailer. So, yeah. Um also, what else do you do at D23? If you're bringing your Marvel stuff to Comic-Con, you got to do something big. Yeah. You're bringing a trailer. Well, I think before... And I don't know if we're going to get Han Solo stuff, because stuff is just now getting redone, so... I... I could see it going either way. I could see them releasing a trailer, and just be like, changing the conversation on that movie, because a movie that needs the conversation changed right now, more than any other like major film I can think of in production right now, is the Han Solo film. Yep. Because it's not good. Yeah. Not good not. conversation. So I think that coming out, if they can, and that's kind of the question, I think if they can put a trailer out, they will. Who knows if they actually have that footage, you know, that though if they feel comfortable moving forward with. Yep. We've heard questions about Aaron Reich's performance as Han Solo being a little bit wooden. I don't know. Or not even wooden, but kind of Jim Carrey-esque. So we'll see. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think if they can show a trailer, they will show a trailer. Yep. So winners. Winner, think, winner, chicken dinner. I who's think Warner Brother wins. I think it's easy. Um, I think it's an easy win. Netflix just isn't coming with enough stuff. I think their presence is going to continue to be built. Uh, Netflix is putting out more and more stuff all the time. Netflix will rule the world soon. Um, but at this point, they're still kind of the other dogs, underdogs. As Netflix can like, get bought by Disney soon. So. Exactly. Well, and then Disney will ruin, uh, will run the world. Continually? Yeah. Like they'll continue to do Yeah, it? they're just going to get every corner. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and that's just their... They'll own us soon, so watch out for the little mouse. I mean, they already the pay us to like their movies, so... Uh, the they Marvel movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyways, there's that. I mean, I like their new one. But. Fox, you've already kind of established that we're... I mean, Deadpool 2 might be one of my most excited things that's going to be there, but that's not enough to save the Fox slate. Yeah. Uh, and also Kingsman, I love that, but I just don't care about their other stuff. Warner Brothers doesn't just have DC. They have... They have Ready Player One. And Blade Runner. And they have Blade Runner. Like, I think it's, it's an easy all my favorite thing. Just because they're coming with they've, the most stuff. They've got me there. Disney so. could make an interesting play if D23 stuff was coming there, but I still even think if we're counting D23. I don't know. I still think I'm I'm saying... I still think I'm saying D, um, Warner Brothers. Okay. So, but if we take DC into consideration, or not DC, but uh, D23. I mean, I still will like what Warner Brothers puts out more. Even though they got Star Wars? Yeah, even though they have Star Wars. Okay, yeah. I think, me too, I think I'm pining more for a Justice League trailer than I am for a Star Wars trailer at this point. It's It's been less time. Yeah. So, um, and the Han Solo thing, I just, I didn't care about the movie before, and now um, it's I'm an interesting... terrified for it. It's so. an interesting conversation piece, but I didn't even care about the movie before. I was just like, one, like, okay, it seems like an unnecessary spinoff, and now it's like an unnecessary spinoff that might, I don't know, ruin future movies in that in the anthology kind of thing the one thing i really liked about rogue one even though i wasn't the biggest fan of that movie is that hey this opens the door for more anthology films in the future i hope this doesn't close the door for more anthology films in the future yeah so, i agree we'll see on the docket is the big review the review for this week's film spider-man homecoming it's a movie i've been waiting for for a while one of my more anticipated of the year I love Spidey. If you've ever listened to this podcast before, you probably know that. Mm-hmm. And I was nervous because it seemed like the trailers were giving a lot away. They uh, were. And and I think, uh, so we're starting this review now. I'm going to say right now we're going to probably get into some spoiler territory. Oh, so we're going to spoil the crap out of it. So yeah. I'm going to put some, uh, uh, I'll put some, in the, if you're listening on podcast edition, I'll have some times so you can skip forward to our, our favorite movies of the year. But we figured we'd want to do the review first, so that way if we 
possibly bring up Spider-Man in that or conversation at and all. And we'll have already know. talked about it. So. Exactly. So, spoilers start now. I really like this movie. I really liked it a lot. Um, the trailers did spoil a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it was... I don't know. I definitely would have liked for them to spoil less, but it, it didn't ruin my movie-going experience by any stretch of the imagination. But first impressions, Rhino, how would you feel about it? I really loved it. Uh, I loved the hell out of this movie. Yeah, I think the, the movie's biggest problem is its marketing. Um, I think that was the biggest problem for this movie because it gave away a lot of key like scenes. Um, when you are anticipating a scene to come up from a trailer, it's hard to get behind that scene. It's hard to laugh like as hard as you did the first time you saw it in a trailer when you see it in a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, you know, that, that scene isn't fresh and that, that's kind of a pain. Uh, and I think that the trailers gave a lot of what happened away and some of it was, you know, some of it, they, they twisted around from what actually happens in the movie and they confuse you a little bit. But at the end of the day, if people think your marketing isn't good, then your marketing isn't good. Regardless of if you trick people when they get into the theater, I think if you show too much in the trailers and people think you do, then you probably did. So, yeah, I, I, I think you've. And one step further, yeah, if they think you're showing too much, even if you're not, but if they have that impression in the back of their mind, then that's going to affect their decision maybe to want to see the movie. As I've heard plenty of people, I mean, I don't know if these trailers necessarily, but I said, well, why would I see this movie? Because I feel like I've already seen the whole thing in the trailers. And obviously you have to see a movie to really know if that's the case, but it happens a lot. I mean, it happens with really good movies even. I felt, um, you know... I felt like I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I feel like there's definitely movies that I felt like, oh, I I knew everything that happened, even though it was good. I'm Castaways like an easy example, but they show him getting off the island in the trailer, mm. and I'm like, well, you know, it's still a good movie. I'm still glad I watched it, but that is not something that you reveal in the trailer. But yeah. I'm, I'm I getting off. too young to see that trailer. Yeah, I'm getting off topic. Um, but you're like 30, so I guess you saw it. When you were like 20. Well, actually, I, I did do an article on uh, trailers that gave away too much stuff or whatever, like the 14 worst trailers ever, something like that. Mm. But I digress. So where I want to start talking is John Watts directing. Uh, John Watts had only done one feature aside mm-hmm. from this, and that was Cop Car, Kevin Bacon. Um, not going to lie to you, I haven't seen the movie. I uh, just didn't. I, I wanted to see it before Spider-Man Homecoming came out, but it just it didn't interest me enough. Um, so I, I went in fresh. Uh, also had the writers from the Vacation movie, and I wasn't a huge fan of the Vacation movie. It, I laughed a little bit, but o- overall, I wasn't super impressed. So I'd say from John Watts and the Vacation crew, like some of their finest work. Um, yeah, I mean, I, like definitely. I said, without seeing Cop Car, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that one of the biggest problems with Vacation was it was kind of just retreading everything that we'd already seen before, mm-hmm. and it didn't really do a lot of things new. And that was something that worried me with these trailers was it felt like they were doing stuff that was already done before in Spider-Man movies. And I thought this movie was going to be very much in line with that thinking. Did so? How'd you come out of it then? It was not. It okay. Was definitely different. Okay. So definitely a different Spider-Man. I thought so too. I very much felt like, and I can't precisely put my finger on why. And I'm definitely going to see this movie again, um, which is, I don't think something I can say about any movie that I've seen in theaters this year that I've went back to go see. There's some that I, I easily could have or would have, but um, but I'm definitely going to see Spider-Man: Homecoming again. It definitely felt different. It felt different than the Sam Raimi trilogy. It felt different than Mark Webb's two films with, uh, with Garfield. It, it was a completely different film. Uh, I like most of the casting in here um, a lot. I don't know. I know you had a lot of questions about Zendaya. Do you feel any differently now after having seen the movie than before? No. Neither do I. Yeah, no. No. I still have kind of the same worries that I did before. Yeah, I mean, she's just really not in it. Yeah. It's hard to... You know, it's hard to make any judgments one way or and, another because she doesn't do anything. And the reveal of her being Mary Jane felt very cheap. 
with yeah. the film, mainly because it was the worst kept secret in all of Hollywood, but also because once it happened, there was really no build-up to her as a character, so it felt very fan service for fan service's sake. Exactly. Yeah, it didn't do anything to, to forward her character at mm-hmm. all. That seemed more like a reveal that would have been better served in a sequel, assuming we got to actually know her character more. That's a reveal in a film that is purely based off the fact that you know who MJ is before, and it isn't based in the film. Like, you exactly. Know, mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of movies will do reveals like that at the end, but they've been built so much before that that it's like, oh, okay, so this is actually that character. Well, they were talking about her so much that, you know, that makes sense that, like, you know, if they had talked about this star student or whatever, and at the end we revealed that Zendaya was that person, then boom, that would have been interesting. But it wasn't done like that. It was just quick. By the way, I'm MJ. Yeah, I I didn't get that at all. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. And in fact, my biggest gripes with this film were with characters. Um, another one, like I could say, Flash Thompson. It just, even removing myself, and it's hard to do this, even removing myself from the fact that we have seen Flash Thompson on screen twice at this point, he just wasn't a good character at all. Like it didn't even make sense as like, he wasn't a good character. Even if his name would have been like Dick, Butt Jones, you know, it would, to me, it didn't make any sense. So there was a flash in amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. I don't even remember. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's forgettable for sure. He was basically just a bully who pushed Peter around. Okay. And his name was Eugene. Okay. uh, uh, That's the only scene I remember. He was, um, Emma Stone called him out and said, or, no, Peter called him Eugene or something. He got real mad. I gotcha. don't know. Because, yeah, Flash in the Raimi trilogy is... That's Flash. Yeah. Because it's very much Flash Thompson. It, he serves the exact purpose Flash is supposed to serve in the origin of Spider-Man, and he's he's the perfect Flash. And this one, I understand that the direction they wanted to go was different than just having a regular bully. He was supposed to be, like, a cyber bully, a new-age modern bully um, that attacked him with words rather than his fists. Yeah. But it did not work because I didn't buy any of it. Yeah. And... And not to get super like analytical with with the the screenplay or anything like that, but I think the reason is is Flash never really had an upper hand on Pete, and I think yeah. that's why he wasn't he was never believable as a bully or as an antagonist because Pete was always one step ahead of him. Like yeah. he never he never had a hand over him, and Pete was always smarter than him. It always I mean, and so anytime he made fun of him, it just and, and it never affected any of the other characters either. Yeah, and the whole time I was like, is Peter really worried about being called Penis Parker? Like that's that's the thing that's killing him. Like yeah. man, that's that's real bullying right there. And Peter is going out to save the day the next minute. Like doesn't give a crap. Yeah, and but, it never like no matter what he did, no matter what Flash did, it never affected how other characters, his friends, or even Liz saw him. So yeah, it, or like, even it, himself. It legitimately yeah. never affected the story one way or another. Yep. he was just thrown in there to be yeah, Flash he Thompson. Have been in there. And it was and it was yeah the movie would have been better without his character. Yep. Um. And and that has nothing to do with the fact that this Flash Thompson is not my Flash Thompson. Like it just it was a stupid character that didn't serve any narrative purpose whatsoever. Yeah. And and was also not comic relief because he wasn't funny. Mm-hmm. Maybe people thought he was. I'm not one of them. Um. Michael Keaton handed us one of the MCU's, especially as far as one-off villains. I assume he's probably more or less done. I don't know. There's some talks about setting up the Sinister Six. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. But as far as one film, one villain, he handed us one of the best ones that we've had in the I MCU. Think he is the best one. Um, and and I still had some issues with him, like not his performance, but like the character in general and, and how they wrote some of the things. That being said, uh, you know I think once him and Peter kind of squared off, and that became part of the focal point of the movie, I think I really started to buy the villain aspect of it, and and it made a lot more sense to me. 
Okay, yeah. And I, I never saw any problems with the kind of change in his characterization to a villain like you did. Mm -hmm. I thought that in the beginning, they didn't like show him as some kind of saint. I mean, he punches the guy in the face right in the beginning of the movie. He felt like a guy who could easily, like, at the drop of a hat, turn into a baseline criminal. He doesn't go to murderer right away. He, you know, he starts off stealing and he starts off doing it, like, just for his family, very much almost like a Walter White kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it just escalates and escalates to the point where he has too much power to where he has to do things to protect the establishment that he already set up. Mm -hmm. So I bought that. I bought his transition with him. I liked Michael Keaton a lot. And I think that he has one movie and he did something really powerful in one movie. And I think that the only other villain that people point to in the MCU is Loki. And Loki, I never felt really had that much of an impact on me as an audience member until like three or four films in. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that's something that Vulture was able to do like basically right at the gate in this mm -hmm. movie. And I think that that's, that's pretty strong. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I agree. I, I don't want to gripe on it too much because my qualms about that were, were very few. Mm -hmm. And my favorite scene in the entire movie after watching it the first time is him in the car with Peter. And that's, to me, that's just, I don't know. That's really cool. The square off, it's very um, almost a la the original Spider-Man when they, and I think he even did the line in the theater or whatever, bike messenger. Yeah. Yeah, when he gets clipped or, you know, clipped by the bike messenger, but he really got cut by Green Goblin earlier in a fight. Yeah, like, when he goes to pick her up at the at the house or whatever for the prom. Yeah, yeah. it was very much like that, except I think this one is better. Mm -hmm. I think they did it better here. It's one of my favorite scenes. Uh, and... Um, and the scene when he's trapped under the rubble, when he hears uh, Tony Stark's voice, that right. that lost me a little bit. And, and you even laughed audibly in the theater. Yeah, I did. I did. I thought and it was very dumb. And yeah. it was supposed to be an emotional moment. And I think if they just would have left out the dialogue, it would have been a lot yeah, more Yeah, the visuals were strong enough that I think that being in the quiet there was so tense that I think that having that audio go over it, basically the reinstitution of with great power comes great responsibility but said differently by tony stark said worse by tony stark mm -hmm. i mean it's not that cool of a line um yeah and it felt like especially it was not supposed anymore to have, like a whole bunch of power yeah which it did not um it's just kind of a basic throwaway dialogue um but they really leaned on it in that scene yeah i thought that was pretty lame yeah it, it also didn't make sense like because he was wearing because it's not like he got the suit back in that scene. Like, the suit made no difference in that scene at all. It didn't even, it doesn't, yeah, it actually kind of angers me thinking about it more. But overall, I was really surprised. Mm -hmm. I was really surprised. I thought we were going to go into this movie and we are going to like it and it was going to feel like an adventure with Peter Parker on a Saturday morning. And, that, and I, I think it does. I think it definitely does. But even more so, I think they pulled it off in a really, in a really cool way. And I'm, I'm still not sure I can quite put my finger on it. but Yeah, uh, there's a lot of genuine emotional beats, which is something that I haven't gotten as an audience member for Marvel in a long time, mm -hmm. you know, and if not ever. I think that it's been probably since, since Guardians of the Galaxy that I felt something like that. Uh, I think I got a little bit of it in Civil War, um, but I think that some of that movie got bogged down and in, in that some of the areas of the movie were a lot less interesting than most of the, most of the big set pieces. Yeah. This movie, I felt like some of the more interesting things happened outside of the massive set pieces, which I think is brilliant. I think that's what superhero movies need to do. Yeah. I think that within those action set pieces, they're interesting enough and in that there's kick-ass stuff happening on scene. They're so big. Uh, a lot of these movies get really like larger than life. So I think that being within that scene and seeing how the character adapts to it, that's enough right there that it doesn't have to do those big weighty things then. I think it needs to do it in more of the quiet aspects, and I think that this movie does that in spades. Uh, I told you right when we left, 
that I felt like this was kind of the culmination of everything that I loved that Marvel had done up until this point in one film. Uh, I was telling my buddy that I think that this movie probably should have came out right around the time of Iron Man and Cap 1. I think that this kind of, this movie should have been a start to this Marvel cinematic universe, but it's coming so late just because of, you know, the characters, they couldn't get the rights and everything, but but it feels very much like a new start in a way, a new start to what Marvel is. And I love this. I love this new start. Uh, I love this Spider-Man film. It's it's up there with one of my favorite Marvel movies. Um, it's real close to Guardians for me, but it's, it's either one or two right now because I think that it does everything that I loved about Marvel and it did it, like, th those things perfectly. And I think that a lot of the other films have kind of touched that perfection, but I think that this one nailed it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And if anything... I might even like it a little bit less than you, which is saying something. Surprise. So, but, yeah. but yeah, I I love it. It's it's easily one of my favorite movies of the year right now, and um, the, superhero or not, um, the, the, it, I have some minor gripes, but overall, I I enjoyed it thoroughly from beginning to end, mm -hmm. and there wasn't like a lull that lasted any sort of you know significant amount of time. I think this was this was genuinely a really good effort by Marvel. And I see a lot of room for growth in the future with this character. And you were talking about how you wish this came at the beginning of the MCU. Well, I think they're gearing up for reboot, essentially. Um, yeah. I mean, not like a reboot per se, but I think a lot of these characters that we know, a la Tony Stark. Yeah, uh, I, I think, think it's setting up new Avengers. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, younger Avengers, and I think Pete's a big part of that initiative. Yep. So I, I, I agree. I think this Marvel, Marvel Sony deal, Marvel. I think uh, I think that deal takes place. That's the relationship. I think that thing. continues. I think they're going to be together for a long time. It's going to yeah. be a real fruitful relationship. So. Yeah, I think it's smart. I think that having those two creative forces working together, I mean, it worked out now, so I yeah. think that they should continue doing it. They just got to watch out for that third film, right? Yeah, and I know that you were saying before, uh, just you know, talking throughout these casts and talking about other movies, you were saying that there wasn't a movie that like made you laugh as hard in theaters as Guardians 2 mm -hmm. this year. Spider-Man's that movie for me. I have not laughed that consistently, that hard, been crying laughing in the theater this year until this movie. Like, Guardians 2, I thought there was funny aspects. I thought a lot of the humor was kind of borrowing on what had already been set up in the first Guardians, some of the jokes that hit real hard in that one. Mm -hmm. So it didn't feel as fresh. This one felt so fresh. And another point that you made was that it does feel very Ultimate Spider-Man. And I think that's kind of what sets it up par from the Raimi ones, is they feel very much kind of like the more serious times in Spider-Man's history when shit starts to really hit the fan for him. But this feels very much like a day in the life. Yeah. And I love that. I love that that was the distinction made. And maybe that was the cartoony aspect of it for me that I felt like was, you know, this felt more like an elongated episode of a Spider-Man show rather than a movie. Maybe it was just that it felt like a day in the life. It didn't, the stakes weren't crazy high. I, I mean, he did have to save a plane from crashing in New York City, which would have been devastating, obviously. Um, but, you know, essentially he was just trying to prove himself and he was, you know, trying to make sure that Tony didn't get robbed. And the stakes were never insanely crazy, so, which is, which is cool. I, I like that. I dig the small stakes super, superhero villains or superhero movies, and I think that's something that they should adopt more often instead of these world-ending catastrophes. Yeah, and, and a lot of the kind of scares for Peter didn't come out of the villain saying, like, I'm going to destroy the Earth and I'm going to take it over. Mm -hmm. It was like, by the way, there's a bomb in your friend's bag. 
So yeah. that's where the drama comes in. It was yeah. character drama that came out of that yeah. fear. Your and friends that are, big. yeah, your friends are trapped in an elevator. Or your friend's dad is a flying monster man. Yeah, who will come after you and everybody you love. Yep. In his intense Michael Keaton voice. So, mm-hmm. all right. So I, I think, Mafia Man Keaton. I think I speak for both of us when I say uh, we give this film the old seal of approval. Definitely. And also, the only way it would have been better is if in that car Michael Keaton said, "You want to get nuts? Let's get nuts." And there it is. That's the last we have to say about that movie. Mm-hmm. All right, we have arrived at our last segment of the day, the big one, our top five movies of the year so far. We have just passed the halfway point of 2017, so we figured that, hey, why not tell you the movies that we loved the most? Yeah. Will they align? Will they be the exact same? Probably not. We will see. Okay, I have an honorable mention. Okay. Spider-Man Homecoming. Yep, that's mine too. I want to put it in there. I really love it. That's my six. But, you know, it's actually been a really good year for movies yep. so far. So I feel really good about my top five and, and, Me too. and where they fit. And I was actually surprised at my number five that it was so far down on my list. Okay. Logan. Okay. Okay. Logan. A superhero western sending off one of my favorite superhero castings of all time, Hugh Jackman, as the titular Logan. Titular. Right. <laughs> so. I think you're a little young to wear the use word titular. <laughs> So I love the movie. I know you love the movie. I could be surprised if you're if it wasn't even higher on your list than it is on mine. It might be. Um, it might be a good old western character piece, bringing Patrick Stewart back into the mix. It, it was great. It was great. It was a great movie, um, and it got that sour taste of X Men Apocalypse almost out of my mouth. So mm, there it is. So my number five. My numero cinco. Mm. Someone's, is, uh, someone's taking Spanish. Is uh, the latest film by one of my favorite directors, and uh, it is Baby Driver by Edgar Wright. Um, we saw this movie a couple months before it actually hit theaters, uh, but, man, it's it's brilliant. I mean, it's out now, I'm sure. Anybody watching this has already seen it. If not, go see it. It's, I mean, it very much marches to the beat of its own drum. It's, uh, it's so very musically driven, but the characters are what make that movie. Uh, they're so very interesting. I love the villain. I love the dynamic between the team. I just think it's a really brilliant heist film. All right. So it's my number five. Okay. My number four. Ambianced. Unique, different, something... I mean, it was felt a lot like one of my favorite movies from last year, In the Witch, and that was Black Coat's Daughter. I love that movie. I watched it off your recommendation. Didn't mm-hmm. even know too much about it. It was very, very small scale indie film. Didn't get a lot of press like some of the other indie films that we've seen this year, but it was great. It was it was really really good. I didn't like it quite as much as I liked The Witch last year, but I I loved it. I'm I'm a real sucker for ambiance horror um, movies. Like oh, we never really got to talk about it. We never got to talk about um, it comes at night. Mm. Mm-hmm. But it was poop. Yeah. Uh, I do not agree with the critical consensus. I think it was a very pointless movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways. Black Coat's Daughter is what it comes at night is what I thought that was going to be, mm. at least equality-wise. Okay. So I love that movie. Cool. My number four. We have similar ten lists. Uh, my know. number four is a, uh, is a fantastic film, and it's fantastic because of how truly empathetic it is, and it is Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman is my number four. Uh, I love the hell out of that movie. Um, I think it's really brilliant. I think that it is not without its own flaws, and a lot of those flaws apply to almost every superhero movie ever made. Uh, But I think that it does so much more for the genre than what it kind of borrows from what's already been there. And I think that it is truly sincere in a way that a lot of films today are afraid to go. So, So it is my number four. All right. 
I I knew you liked Wonder Woman, but I did not know number four like. Oh yeah. Maybe yeah, even yeah, yeah. maybe even Lerv. Maybe you love it. Oh, there's ready Lerv. to go. Ready to go study. No, there's definitely Lerv. Yeah. Okay. I think I said Lerv in our first review. I okay. Don't remember. Okay. I guess there's maybe probably Lerv. Maybe I just maybe just didn't convey the emotion. A Lerv gal. Oh, we all do. And a Lerv baddie. We all do. And Chris. And Chris. Did you see the uh, SNL song where he's saying that, I think the song's called... The Difference Between the Chris's? Yeah. Yeah. It's a great song. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm that Chris, but not that Chris. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyways, my number three? Three. Three. All right, you already talked about Baby Driver. Okay. Yeah. It's it's a great movie. It's on almost everybody's list. Just, if you haven't seen it yet, go see it. Okay. And I think people are seeing it. It's one of his... um, Top gross. It is his top grossing opening weekend movie of all time. Makes a lot of sense. Seems like his most commercially. It, it's not my favorite Edgar Wright, but I really like it. Me too. And it's maybe two or three on my my Edgar Wright lists mm-hmm. somewhere in there. So mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim still holds number one. Yep. And then probably Shaun of the Dead. But but anyway, um, my number three. You already talked about it. My number three is Black Coat's Daughter, cause my boy loves ambient horror. But I love it more. Ooh. So it is my number three. Okay. So our three and fours are just swapped then, essentially, right? No, my four was Wonder Woman. My five was Baby Driver. Oh. Yeah. Five dude slacking. <laughs> Guess you don't love Edgar, after all. Oh, I do love him. <laughs> all right. I love him. I love all these movies. Top five, that's love. Okay, so I already feel like I know how this is going down. I feel like there's going to be a movie in each of our top fives that we haven't seen. and But all right. So number two, right? My mm-hmm. my correct and my number two, number two. Yep. All right, movie that I absolutely, absolutely adored, and I thought I was gonna like it specifically based off of reviews and and word of mouth, but I did not know, did not know that I was going to love it. Kimi no Nawa, or in English, your name. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal i it was not the movie i thought it was going to be the trailer for it is just absolute garbage and it almost deterred me from seeing the movie entirely i was it was only here in tallahassee for like a week so i you know i didn't see it on opening night because the trailer kind of deterred me but i was like you know what it's the last night i'm gonna go see it tonight and i decided to see it and i think i missed seeing free fire with you at that time Mm. which which i regret not seeing free fire but i'm really glad i saw this movie and i'm really glad i saw it in theater because it's actually very cinematic, and it just it, the animation is absolutely beautiful. The I guess it's I guess it's still a cinematography, even though an animation. It's it's stunning. It's really yeah, cool in the way that they do the way they do transitions in this movie. The way it is edited is really good. The story itself is is pretty cool, and, and there's definitely some twists and turns in that in that film that make it different. And I wish that I could. The way the trailer sold it, it was just like Japanese anime Freaky Friday. And that's kind of the way the trailer sold it. That is the way it sold it. And and that is definitely part of this story, but it is not the whole story or even, like, close to part of it. Like, that's the beginning. That's how it starts. And, mm. and then things get really weird from there. And it's, it's super cool. And I wish I could tell you more than that, but I can't because mm. that would give too much away. Mm. And I'm not in the business of giving things away. Mm, like yeah. super Or like Spider-Man trailers. Yeah, I was going to see it, but uh, somebody ruined it for me, so... <laughs> But uh, let's uh, let's get into the nitty gritty. All right, my number, number two. two is Logan. Oh, I love Logan so much. I think it's one of the best superhero movies ever made. I think that it is the most art house blockbuster I've seen, maybe ever. Probably since, nope, maybe ever. It is so just 
like void of dialogue. It is so serious to kind of the point of like, it's humorous because it's so serious. Um, but I just think it's so brilliant. It's such a, such a brilliant character study for a superhero that we've known for so long. Somebody who really built the genre from the ground up. And it's just the perfect send-off for him. And I, I think that Mangold did such a great job with the film. So, yep. It's my number two. Okay. Interesting. So, number one. Not a surprise, because it's number one on pretty much a lot of other people's list. I feel like a real poser for saying it, but it really was my favorite movie, and it's definitely a great movie, and that's and that's uh, Jordan Peele's Get Out. It's... <sighs> I want to say it surprised me, but I, I heard, was hearing a lot of good things. But as far as comedy in it, because it's you know it's a it's a horror comedy blend for sure. It's a you know a satire type of deal. The comedy hit all of its beats. Not surprising because Jordan Peele he's a really funny guy, and there was genuine horror. It was horror done really well, and it's a genre that that when done really well is one of my favorites. It's just you know it's been taken to the woodshed a little bit. In the past few years, because uh-huh. you know it's it's easy to do low budget, and it's easy you know it's easy for a lot of people to get in there and, and make these films, and and I get that, but I don't know. It just really struck a chord with me. Uh, one of my complaints about Key and Peele and their sketches is sometimes it goes to a weird place that I don't necessarily follow all the time, uh-huh. and this movie did that a little bit. But all is forgiven overall because it was easily the most entertaining experience I had in the theater all year, uh-huh. and and that's not to take away from its genuinely well-made, well-constructed piece of work as, as cinema. So Okay. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, my number one is not a surprise to anybody who has listened to this podcast for the past little while. Uh, Toad it is my favorite. I've said, yeah, well, you know, this one was good, but it wasn't as good as my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And my favorite is Lost City Z, still. I think that it is genius. It, it's a movie that you almost can't describe unless somebody sees it, because it's almost more of an experience than it is just like a film. Like, it's, it's, it's very akin to, like, a Hearts of Darkness, which I'm a big fan of. Uh, very, very close to Apocalypse Now. Uh, it's, uh, it's just, it's really brilliant. It's a study of, like, man and, like, if we were left to our own devices, kind of out there in the middle of nowhere in unexplored territory, kind of how you can understand yourself better by going someplace void of other people. And it's, it's trippy, and it's, scary and it's it's everything that i think film should be it's it's entirely gripping and i think that it's a movie that everybody needs to see this year like they need to they need to sit down and watch it even though it's it is a little long in the tooth but that doesn't matter because it's a world that i would sit in for like three more hours just to find out everything about it so lost city is my number one all right let me ask you a quick question how surprised would you be at the end of the year if lost city is to your favorite movie i probably wouldn't be that surprised yeah yeah but- how like, so your last what was your favorite movie of last year? Was it La La Land, Silence? Those are a couple of my favorites. I, don't I think know. it was La La Land. Okay. My favorite last year. How does that compare? And to Arrival something? was two. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember Arrival. Yeah. So how does this compare to to those three movies? As far as like, how in what high regard you hold it in? Um. Hmm. And that's a tricky question and. A it is. And a lot of these are apples and oranges comparisons. Yeah, and it's a tough one to judge because Lost City of Z was a movie I didn't really know what it was until I saw it. Uh, and I think that La La Land, I knew what it was going to be going in. Mm-hmm. Arrival, I knew what it was going to be going in. Uh, this film, I, I didn't really know. And it's it does 
it kept me entertained in a genre that is so hard to keep me entertained. Um, and I think that it kept me on the edge of my seat more than those other films did. And it's one of those films that, for me, I think that a film needs to end as strong or stronger than it starts. And it's a movie that ends with you just kind of broken. And you're kind of just piecing together everything that's happened and trying to find out what the heck that movie is because its ending is so... It's so interesting. It's it's really bizarre. It's uh, it's something that if I kept talking about it, eventually it would kind of give itself away. Mm-hmm. But it's it's an ending that, that leaves you to decide what it is. And I think that that's really brilliant. I think that that's something that is not entirely new, but it's something that's kind of innovative for the genre itself. It's something that that is a different kind of end for a movie. And I just think that it's spectacular. I would not be surprised if it's my favorite at the end of the year, and I wouldn't really be that disappointed either. Yeah. All right. I, I dig it. I dig your yeah. lists. Pretty similar, but... Yeah, I like yours too. I think the the differences are maybe in the movies that we haven't seen. Um, I'm not sure. They, Kimi no Nawa kind of appeals to my sensibilities a little bit more than it would you, so I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't quite in your top five. But yeah, I'd also be surprised if you didn't like it. Well, guess who's Lost City of Z? Your boy, Spidey. So, go ahead. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And... Everyone's boy Robert Pattinson. He's great, man. He, Tom Holland's really great in Lost City. Tom and boy. Yeah. Nice. Like he he proves that he can do more than Friendly Neighborhood Spider Man. Like he can do some serious drama work. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. All right. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I feel good. I feel good about it. Um, any big disappointments from the year? Just kind of a little year in recap. Not really. I like this year. Yeah. I mean, I was I was definitely disappointed by Guardians too because I felt that it kind of didn't live up to how great I think the first one is mm-hmm. and how fresh I think that sci-fi adventure was. Um, Ghost in the Shell, I was bummed out about. I don't think I was necessarily disappointed because all my eggs weren't in that basket. Yeah. Um, but no, I've liked this year. Like, this is a surprising year for film. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember feeling like this way in a long time. And I think that at the end of this year, I wouldn't be that surprised if it was one of the better years for film. I agree. I agree, and it, it seems like there's a lot of good movies on the horizon, and I think the Oscar season as well is going to be very promising. We've already started to see some trailers rolling out, mm-hmm. and, and I think in contestants like The Greatest Showman and perhaps Breathe and things like that, and I think it looks it looks like a promising year mm-hmm. um, in the second half as well as the first half, and we still have plenty of summer left. I mean, we have films like Planet of the Apes coming out this week, which I know we're both excited about so and excited. is on plenty of people's uh, best films of the year. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, we have not been lucky enough to see that yet, really, so whatever, mm-hmm. um, like everybody else. But, we don't have those connections yet. But yeah, there's that. Uh, Valerian, we talked about that a little bit earlier today, and after seeing that five minutes, I think it's going to be uh, very promising. Mm-hmm. So, so, And then, then Dunkirk as well. I mean, we have a lot of really good movies in July yet, yep. so I'm, I'm excited. I think uh, it's definitely been a good 2017 as far. Mm. So that just about does it for this episode of the Cinematic Roundtable podcast. <laughs> I don't know why I had the Cinematic Roundtable. Then there's there's the podcast afterwards. The, the logo, the videos. It, it's been it's been got to change those. But anyway, okay, yep. That just about does it for the Cinematic Roundtable podcast. Yep. We appreciate you for visiting us. We are now on iTunes, so we'd appreciate you going there and uh, leaving a little review. Let us know what you think. Give us an honest review. Tell us what you think. And if you leave. A little note, we'll make sure to read it. Ooh, also, we did uh, off to remember to read on air next week. We did get a little message on the website, so a little okay. about Cinematic Roundtable. So cool. we'll see what uh, see what that says next week. That's a tease. All right. Sounds good. But where can the kiddos find you, Rhino? 
Uh, you can find me at uh, at R. Carlquist on the Twitter. And I'm everywhere at Bobby and Holt. Make sure to check us out at cinematicroundtable.com where we'll be posting all of these videos and podcasties and all that other stuff. Yep. We're also on Twitter at cinematicrt. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool. All right, guys. Peace. Go see Spider-Man Homecoming and have a good week, you crazies.